Welcome, friends, to the Bishop and the Moose 30-minute time of encouragement in God's Word. We're glad that you can join with us tonight. We enjoy uh, speaking into your life, hopefully bringing some words of encouragement to you in these uh, very uh, interesting days that we uh, live in. And it's a joy to do that, and I hope you'll uh, stay in contact with us. I always tell you, be clinging at trophylakes.org, and uh, you can go to Moose Ministries, mooseministriesinc.com, and uh, check out uh, Kirk's uh, website and all the ministry that they're a part of. Well, we've got an interesting topic to talk about tonight. Yes, we do. I'm extremely excited. Tonight, we're going to get into end times. But guys, one thing we want to kind of get straight into this and just tell you right up front, this topic is not something for you to get into fear over. The Word has always told us that we should be encouraged, that we should be prepared. God many times gives us people warnings so that they can pray for their nation, so they can repent. So as we go into these topics and start discussing this, remember that we are supposed to press into God and His presence. We're not supposed to let fear dictate our lives. That's a very important thing to say, and especially in the days we're living in. I know when this virus first broke, and uh, I remember you know, suspending a message series I was in and started preaching. The first one I preached on was about worry, fear, anxiety, because you could just see uh, how this was being unleashed. It's, it's, it, it's only gotten worse you know, uh, over time. Uh, turned on the television the other day, and I do not watch uh, local or national news programs hardly at all anymore. And but yet I turned it on to look for something that was in one. It was nothing but fear. I mean, it was just just you know telling everybody how worried they ought to be, uh, all of those type of things. And there, you know, we're in a real. I'm not a, a denying the things that are going on, but it's uh, it is a really difficult time. We don't allow fear to run our lives. There's a, there's a real difference in scripture between a you know a fear like Kirk is talking about here what we're talking about where it paralyzes you the bible even talks about it being a spirit of fear which in, involves demonic influence that kind of fear is what comes in and paralyzes you and keeps you from operating as god uh, would uh, have you to be operating i i pray for my home i pray for my family i pray for my church uh, by family, by names. I pray for the academy that we have here, and they're by names that they will be virus-free. But I don't do that just so that we'll be virus-free. I do that with a purpose that we not That's serve. Right. I mean, there, there's. I mean, I don't want to just be sitting at home eating bonbons, you know. And and hey, I don't have the virus. Well, I don't have the virus for a reason. I want to be able to be actively involved in helping others, and especially with this this issue of fear. And I haven't said that. Uh, let me talk about the other kind of fear in the Bible. Uh, it's a, what I, I, I would give it the title a godly fear, a biblical fear. Now, what, what's the difference? Well, the one that paralyzes you and is demonically inspired is obviously on this side. But this fear is the fear like when Paul would say something like, I fear, brethren, that after you have walked with the Lord for so long that you may leave the elementary principles in Christ. Well, that, that wasn't a demonic fear that was uh, keeping him from functioning and doing what God wanted him to do. That was just a a fear in the sense of something that he, he you know, knew was very possible if they didn't do that's something right. in their life. And so that, that's, a, that's, a, that's what I call godly fears. And what we'd like to talk about a little bit tonight is about how uh, the Bible does speak about details about end-time prophecy. Uh, no doubt whatsoever about that. Uh, I like to say, uh, Kirk, that I am a kingdom now Christian. Uh, I spent the good first part of my ministry, um, you know, 
trying to talk about the rapture and talking about what's coming and, and all that and biblical stuff. But yet talking about it in a way of, I can't wait to go to heaven. Yep. Man, when the rapture comes, we're going to get out of this place. So I, and then I started realizing in the scripture that Jesus talked about kingdom. And he also talked about kingdom on this earth. Oh, he and sure he did. even told us to pray that way, did he not? You oh, know, you know, kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I, I, I shifted my ministry because I, <laughs> I made this statement. I said, you know, it's, it's like, it's as if, you know, we're trying to get off the planet as Christians and God's trying to get on the planet. And, uh, and you know, and I'm using human terms there, but uh, nevertheless, that's what it was. So I turned towards that and much more kingdom oriented, seeing God do miracles, seeing God signs and wonders, bring revival, spiritual awakening, people repenting, people experiencing the glory, the power, the compassion, all of those things that come with the kingdom of God. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the fact that the Bible says much about the end times that we live in, the latter days, the last days, we might That's call right. it. I, I, technically, just for the theologians among us, uh, the last days are not a period of time in the Bible where you know we get to where things, you know, fireballs start falling and the beasts and the dragons come alive of Revelation and all of that. It really started on the day of Pentecost. Uh, almost 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit was given after Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. Because on that day, Peter stood up and preached the Pentecostal sermon. And when he did, he took Joel as his text. And Joel, the Old Testament prophet, said, In the last days, uh, God will be pouring out his Spirit on all flesh. That's right. And uh, so, you know what he said in that? He said, this is that. What's happening right here, what they were experiencing that day, he said, is that. So it really began then, that last day period. You go on and there's uh, other scriptures, you know, in Hebrews 1, it says, God has spoken different ways and times and in the past in these last days has spoken to us through his son. And then I think it's First John 2.18 says that exactly. My little children, it is the last days, you know. So technically... The last days, we don't need anything to happen for Jesus to return at any time. This is That's the time right. period we're living in. But we also know, don't we, Kirk, that as we get closer, there there is a time of end-time prophecy being fulfilled and a fullness coming to the earth of seeing our redemption that's drawing nigh in this earth. Oh, definitely. And I think that as you take Scripture and then you take the newspaper, and you line them up, and you start to not be able to tell the difference between the end-time <laughs> prophecies and what the newspaper is saying, you have to start mm -hmm. thinking to yourself, okay, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? Oh, no, you already told me in your scriptures what was coming. I need to start praying in preparation for what's to come, and I also need to start talking to my neighbors. I need to start talking to those around me yes. about the one who offers that eternal salvation. That's good. That that talking about the newspapers and that made me, uh, made me think of Ronald Reagan's famous quip. You know, he he said every morning I read the Bible, and then I read the New York Times. And they said, why? He said, well, I read the Bible to get God's word, and then I read the New York Times to see what the other side's doing. You know, and uh, <laughs> it was a funny joke, a political joke that he had. But let's turn and look at Scripture for a few moments here. Uh, what are some of the things that, that Jesus and the Apostle Paul uh, as well, but Jesus especially tonight, what are some things that he said from his mouth 
that not just told us, by the way, he preached a whole sermon on his second coming when they asked him, what will be the signs of your return? And Matthew chapter 24, you can read it. And he basically said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And he said much, much more. Yes. And that fits into a particular understanding of how the end times comes uh, to pass. But there's no doubt he was asked a very specific question and he gave very specific answers. But in the midst of talking about that, uh, he gave some warnings, not to the world that is lost and facing judgment, but to those of us who follow Christ as our Savior. Uh, let me give you an example of, of one that he had. He said in the Scriptures, in Luke chapter, uh, uh, verse 18, chapter 18 and verse 8, he said, When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Oh, come on. Uh, you know, why would Jesus say something like that? Why would he say that? You know, as we get closer to the time of my return, many are going to lose their faith and uh, and turn away from me. That is a that's a, now again we go back to a biblical or a godly fear. You know that I would have in my life is that I don't want to lose my faith. I know that the times at the end are going to be stressful to a point that many, as Jesus said, not a few, many who have professed faith in Him that's right. will walk away. And I don't want to be of that number. Well, mm -hmm. Revelations itself really speaks on this. If you look at it, it talks about the great harlot. The great harlot really refers to a religious system that is going to infiltrate, oh my goodness, the church. What does that mean? It's going to speak lies yes. in such a way, and it's going to water down the truth in such a way that many people will start following false doctrines and false ideas and false religion and begin to follow after this thing that will lead them away from their salvation. Because it says that the, the harlot will become drunk on yes. the blood of the saints. Mm. So there'll be two things. It'll eat, the saints could die, and it could even be the fact that they will die an eternal death because of them walking away. So if you think about it, there could be a twofold meaning in that one verse yes. there where it's yes. talking about how the harlot is going to completely lead people away from the faith, and it's going to be a distraction. And what do we see today? Yes. We see churches that mm -hmm. profess Christianity professed their faith in such a way that they were on fire, winning people to the Lord, and then all of a sudden they completely back away, whether it's out of fear mm -hmm. or conformity, mm -hmm. so that they don't appear to be against the norm. Yes. So maybe what it means when it says, will I find faith, is will there still be those who can discern right from wrong? Boy. And, and, you know, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And people who begin to pull away, you know, disconnect both from their private, you know, uh, reading and spending time in truth and uh, their public times together with their yes. fellow believers, which is absolutely essential. By the way, verse that's quoted all the time by preachers but has such powerful meaning in so many different levels is when the writer to Hebrews said, and do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together That's right. as the manner of some is, but but so much more as you see the day approaching. So it's almost like the idea we ought to meet more as we're getting closer. That's right. And we tend to today meet less because everybody's so busy and, uh, and, and don't do that. Also, it says exhort one another in there. And so that's the real meaning of that passage, I think, of just encouraging one another in these times because that's where you keep from 
walking away. That's uh, where you keep from getting to that. You know, nobody ever gets up one day and just walks away. It's a it's a drifting away. And and you know that the Bible talks about you know how the enemy will isolate us, and then when he can get us isolated, he gets us thinking. And before you know, we're doing things, and we've pulled away. We don't we're not near the fire anymore, and you know we're getting cold, and and it just takes. I've seen it in thirty plus years of ministry. I have watched people that I just think are you know, dedicated followers of Christ that over a time, and these are not people that would necessarily uh, not confess that Christ was Lord, but they just get away. They get away into their own things. They get tangled up in the world and business or whatever. And next thing you know, they're not serving the Lord. They're not a part of the church. They're not part of a fellowship. And they've, you know, they're just isolated and and easy to, you know, to pick off. You know, when he says that about faith, you know, the spirit of Peter wants to jump on all of us, and we want to say, well, maybe them, but not me. I'll <laughs> never turn my back on the Lord. I'll never, you know, do that. Well, you know, Peter's a good example of that spiritual pride, oh, yes. uh, you know, that, that came crashing down. So I don't want to say that, but I do want to say constantly, Lord, I want to keep my heart close to you, and I want to keep my faith strong. And, you know, for, for me, Kirk, I mean, I could talk about, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So the Word of God is the substance, and it's where we grow our faith in doing that. But but in the writer's minds, and like the day we live in, hearing and doing were the same thing. Today, we can we have this whole concept from, from our Greek background where we can go and hear something, and it never changed our life. The Jewish background, to hear is to obey. And so you don't really, you have not really heard the truth until you've actually obeyed it. And when you obeyed it, you proved you heard it. Well, if you think about it, even, we've been so infiltrated by Eastern mysticism that we've completely lost context of even what the Word of God talks about when it comes to meditation. Yes. The Word says, meditate on my Word day and night. But by almost nature, we think about clearing our minds. Yes. Because we've been taught according to the Eastern way of thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, Greeks mm-hmm. and the uh, Asian groups who have kind of come in with their meditation techniques and stuff mm-hmm. have reinvented the way we think about that word. Yes. It's almost like we talked about a while back that well, in class the other day, we were talking in Greek class. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm teaching. Yeah, he's teaching here at church. Um <laughs> We were talking about how the meaning of words at a rapid pace has been changing. It used to be like in 20 years yes. it would change, yeah. but now we're down to like in four Sorry. to five months. Words can have a completely mm-hmm. different meaning. And the thing is, is we don't consider the difference in the meaning when we listen. But the Word of God actually means with the meditation is we're to consider, we're to think on we're to mull it over. We're mm-hmm. really just supposed to pick it apart, take it apart, re-engineer it, put it back together, yes. and see it for what it is, which means we're an active part of the Word we're considering. Yes, yes. It's not something that we're yes. observing. Yes. It's not something we're just hearing, but That's we right. actively partake within that Word. We become a part of it, allow it to become a part of us, and then we have a much deeper understanding of what it says after we put it through the process. That is and that's the concept. And, you know, be uh, doers of the word, not hearers yes. only. Uh, that idea of breaking those two up is foreign to the biblical concept. So I have to look at myself. And I spend a lot of time, you know, as a pastor in the word, reading, studying, all of those things. You have to really look at all the things you have learned or known 
come to know. That's right. Uh, have you really come to know them unless you practice them? And for me, there's a challenge in that always for me. Just me personally, I, I approach that with a challenge of saying, when's the last time I've really, truly stepped out on faith? You know, when has God told me to do something that, well, I'm going to look really silly when I do this? You know, whatever. You know, it, you know those type of moments you know, you treasure those moments because they build your faith. Because over time, you're walking with Him. And, you know, I, I say to folks all the time, you know, you could have talked me out of some things 25 years ago. But there's some things that are very settled in my life at this point. I know that I know certain things, you know, because I have experienced them, I've practiced them, I've, uh, you know, been in obedience in that area. And you, you just know that's true. You just know that's true. So real quickly, how do we come back to this, uh, Kurt? So, and we take that one scripture there, and I'm gonna I want to mention another one. But to end on that one, how how do we uh, become a person that perseveres in faith in these last days? You know, because of what the warning Jesus came with. Is anyone gonna have faith when I return? I mean, the Lord knows me and you better than we know ourselves. So if He's speaking this, we take that word with the greatest sense of uh, urgency into our spirit to yes. say, uh, you know, again, not a paralyzing demonic fear, but a good, holy, biblical, godly fear that says, Lord, I, I want to I walk in humility because I'm not going to make some, you know, declaration that I'll never do this. I've, I've read the story of Peter doing that when he denied the Lord. I'm not going to get caught up in that. My spiritual pride will just make it easier for it to happen. What I want is to learn from you uh, how to do that. And I, I think a couple of things we've answered it on. We answered it on getting in the Word. You know, oh, that definitely. is an absolute necessity. It's a crime today. Uh, uh, it's uh, that how few... How, how few minutes believers spend in the Word. I mean, most believers... Get the only word they get really is when they sit under their preacher weekly, and then they're not even faithful in that week to week being there. So that's it's their schedule. I was reading the, the famous passage in Jesus' resurrection where he was traveling with the two disciples to Emmaus. Yeah. The story is he began at Genesis and explained the things concerning himself. Later, after they realized who he was, they said, Did not our heart burn within us? But when they, they still didn't get it after all that teaching. Can you imagine Jesus teaching on Genesis, Christ in Genesis, Christ in Exodus, Christ in Leviticus, all of those things? Jesus is teaching that. And the, and they, they did say our heart burned with this, but they still didn't recognize him. And finally he says to them these words. He says, O fools and slow of heart, can't don't you know what the Scripture teaches? And I, I remember reading that and seeing something fresh in it, and, and it was like the Lord said, you know, I get very discouraged. <laughs> I get very... Uh, you know what? I, I don't know what the word is. I'm trying to say, but I, I, you know, when people don't read their scriptures, when they don't read my people, yes. not the world, my people don't get in the word and do that. My my daughter Joy right now is going through uh, this season. She's going to summer school for college during the summer, but she's also with a, one of her best friends going through a book that came out from Passion uh, Conference of students that they have every year, and it's been written and it goes through Genesis to Revelation. And it teaches you how to understand each book. And she's reading the entire Bible as she goes through it. And uh, just, you know, that's what you do. I mean, it's never, that's not for college kids alone. That's for anybody to go through and learn that. So I, I just want to say that, you know, that for sure we don't, um, uh, you know, we, we don't lose our relationship with God's Word. And by the way, God's Word is living. And many times when I'm in church, 
You know, when I'm at church fellowshipping, that word, when I'm with, with Kirk, when I'm with somebody and they speak something, that word is becoming alive in me. So it's not just reading it individually by yourself. It is being in fellowship with others so that as they speak the word in your life and over your life, it cleans you, it washes your feet, and, uh, and, and renews you. So I just think that's, a, that's a, the first one. Let's look at one more right quick before we have to uh, get off today. And uh, Jesus, uh, huh, he said, uh, the, I was going to skip on to this one right here, because he said of this one, he said in Matthew twenty four twelve in that great sermon that he had on the end times, you know, he said, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That's a that's a power pack statement oh, right is. there, because the, the word lawlessness means exactly what it says. It's like people don't want any law, they don't want any uh, anything to guide them. They want to do whatever feels good. Do it. They want to just do what they want to do. Don't you tell me uh, what to do in any way. And you look at our age today, where people have thrown off uh, sexual morals that have guided civilization for thousands and thousands of years and marriage being a cornerstone of an orderly society and we throw it out the window and just like it it never meant anything when we look back it means everything about how things work in a in a orderly and structured society but there there is that lawlessness today you can see anything you can just about be anything you can you know the uh, with the internet's uh, invention uh, the the opportunities that would never have been there are there for people to get their life all out of order and in in wrong places, and that's lawlessness. And because yep. it's there, Jesus said, the love of many will grow cold. Uh, boy, don't want that. No, we don't want that. And what really is the cause of that, though? Mm. I believe the cause of that is simple. They put their eyes on the situation instead of Christ. Yes. If you put your eyes on the situation around you and you don't keep your eyes on the provider, the one mm-hmm. who gives you peace, the one who gives you joy, at that point, you have now set yourself and the situation around you up as an idol instead of putting God at the center of your life. That's, that's you know, that is, and, you know, it's just fundamental things. It's fundamental things of doing that. I, um, I preach a lot, and I'll say this verse. I'll refer back to this quite often. And, you know, I'll give you a little hint about preachers. Preaching is, all preaching is autobiographical. If a preacher's struggling with something, it'll, it'll come out in his messages. Because if you're preaching, you know, just doing it as a job, that's, that's one thing. But if you're preaching from your heart, your heart's going to get exposed while you're, while you're preaching over, over time. And, and someone, you know, would say to me, well, boy, you, you talk about that a lot. You know, you, you're fearful of that. Well, I, believe, I honestly believe it's a biblical, godly, you know, holy fear. But, uh, yeah, I do. I, I think about an old Jewish apocryphal story made up, but really good story, uh, about a man who stood outside of Sodom and Gomorrah and preached about its evil every day, all day long. He looked at them and said, if you all don't repent, God's going to wipe you off the face of the earth. You're evil. You're choosing the wrong way. You're doing this wrong. But, you know, just preaching. Is so somebody walked by one day and looked at him and said, man, why do you waste your voice? Those people are not going to change. And he said, I'm not worried about them changing. I'm worried about me changing and or them changing me. And so the idea is I continually confess uh, and speak to truth 
because I want to make sure that I'm not just preaching against lost people for being lost people. I'm preaching to remind myself of the difference of a person that is in an active relationship with Jesus Christ and is walking by faith and obeying him in their life and practicing repentance, all of those things, you know, as opposed to someone who don't care and is doing it any way they want to. So to me, that's a, you know, that's a biggie when it comes to that, you know, that one. I mean, Jesus, again, said many, many, the love of many will grow cold. And how do you keep and maintain uh, that passionate relationship uh, of love towards our Lord as you as you walk with Him? That's a that's a that's a big question. How how do you, how do you, how would you answer that? Somebody said, "How do I maintain my passion?" You know, it's a kind of a silly question when you think about it, but it's well, uh, true. I, you know, Paul actually, I, I really believe Paul addressed this. He tells Timothy in Second Timothy. Do not forget to stir yourself up in the faith that you've gained by the laying on of the hands by the apostles. That's good. You know, stir yourself up in the gifts. We are charged with stirring ourselves up. God didn't say be passive. He didn't say go to church and just let pastor do everything for you. (laughs) He said stir yourself up. Be engaged. Be a part of the action. Be a part of what's going on. If you get involved with what's going on, God will change the atmosphere around you. I like to put it this way. God is like the tree that's planted by the river. Mm-hmm. He's got roots that go down deep. He, he's not moving. Yes. His shade reaches way out there. If somebody moves, it's always you. Yes. It's always me. It's always yeah. someone else because God is firmly planted. We are told in the Word that He's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. So we know he's firm, he's established, he's reliable. So if anything changes in our environment, it's always going to be one of us. That's uh that is uh excellent. You know, the story you told there about that, I, I think about the way I used to illustrate that was about a uh, a man and his wife in their truck were going to town and the wife was all the way over on the passenger side. And of course the the, the man was driving yes. it on this side, and they pull up to a stop sign, and up in front of them are these two young, this young couple, and the girls all scoot up, and you know, right up next to the, her, her boyfriend, her husband there in the car, and uh, the the wife in the car behind it, sitting so far away, looks at that used to be us. What happened to us? What happened to us? And the old man just kind of spits him in the back out and said, "I ain't moved," you know. In other words, he's still sitting in the driver's seat. She's the one that's moved over. Well. That's what Kirk says. You know, it's always us. I, I just think about that question. You, how do you not lose your passion? You know, um, I think about, you know, someone coming to you and say, well, how, how do you maintain uh, your uh, passionate love you have for your spouse? I mean, you don't, you don't ask that. I mean, you, you love your spouse. I mean, I, I hope you do. And, uh, you know, we're humans. We're not like God. So sometimes our can be just red hot, and then sometimes it can be cooler. Uh, you know, as we go up and down, but but there's something I can say this very clearly. After being married so long, you know, it, it grows stronger and deeper. It's it's a, it's on a whole different level. To tell my wife I loved her uh, when I married her uh, on the altar at the church, uh, I meant it with every fiber of my being when I said it. But after what we've been through and what we have walked together in. Uh, you know, in our whole life uh, together, it's a whole different level of I love you today. And I think that's a little bit of that because as you maintain that walk with the Lord, you know, like I said earlier, some things you can't be talked out of. 
there, there's right. some some issues in your life, you know, because what I've been through too much with the Lord. You're not going to tell me He's not real. You're not going to tell me that these things don't happen. Well, I, I've seen too much. I've walked through too much. I, I know what's real, and so that maintains that to some level. Paul said to the church at Eph- I mean, excuse me, uh, uh, Jesus said to the church at Ephesus in the letters of Revelation. He said, "I have this one thing against you: you've left your first love." And uh, so we don't want to. You know, we want to do those practical things in our life. I'll, I'll tell you one final thing, you know, that I, I did Sunday. If you look at Second um, Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through about 9, Paul says, in the last days, perilous times will come. And then he begins to talk about a misplaced love. And the men will be lovers of pleasure, lovers of themselves, lovers of money. In other words, they're taking the love that they're created to have and express, and they're misdirecting it to all these things instead of God. And, uh, you know, what I encourage the people to do, I've done this, take all of those negative things that he says will be characteristic of people in the lawless end times, which are the times we're living in, and then right out beside it, right the opposite of that. And then say, how am I working to build those? In other words, that I'm not a lover of money. You know, some of my Word of Faith friends, I, I, I love them dearly and fit in that category in, my, in some ways many times myself. But they never, they tend to talk too much. Some of some do, some, not obviously all, some tend to talk too much about money to the point that I think they protest too much that they want to say it doesn't have a hold on them, but then by talking about it, they've almost revealed that it does have a hold on them. So any theology that doesn't deal with the issue of love of money and how you deal with that in it is not adequate to meet the needs for the times that we live in. That's right. uh, you, you have to deal with that. So, you know, that's just one. Lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, uh, you know, uh, blasphemers, uh, all of those things. You look at that, go down there and just make a little word study, and then right out beside it, all the good ones say, "How am I practicing this in my life?" I think that's a that's a positive way of doing this. And I want to I want to pull this together here as we end. I want to just say these things. We're sitting here talking casually about these type of things, but I want you to know some of you have you know been under uh, in a church, been a Christian, been following the Lord for many years. You've been under preachers like me, and your preachers have warned you about things like this. And you've always thought, as we all have, well, that's in the future. That's someday in the future. I want you to know the future is now. That's right. We are living in these lawless days. We are living in a time where there's an unbelievable uh, rapid increase in fulfilled things around us. uh, And this is more than ever uh, appropriate for us to not so much worry about the charts and maps, even though that's there and that's legitimate to study. But to really think, what did the Lord really say to us? Not just to an unbelieving world, or not just to us so we could figure out all the, the dates and times. No, what did he say to us about, you know, and he, what he said was were words of warning. And we've looked at two today. And, uh, you know, we'll find any faith on earth. And secondly, you know, the love of many will grow cold. So I don't want to be many. I want to be the one. and But I want to approach God with a humble uh, uh, approach, but a confident humility, which is almost an oxymoron, but it, it's still the truth. You know, you're confident, but yet you're coming on your knees and say, God, help me to, to, to be strong in, in these times that we're living. Guys, we really appreciate you joining us. We really enjoy it when you come and participate in the conversation. Don't forget that you can go to our YouTube channel, Bishop and Moose, where we're going to have these posted. And also, we have our Saturday show that's now on 
they're pre-recorded on YouTube only. Now we are releasing those at 7 p.m. the same time we've normally gone live on the YouTube channel. And we've dropped a link into our profiles and we hope you'll join us there. Guys, God bless you. God bless you.